0: Inch by inch, play by play, and we're finished. Welcome to the Gridiron Breakdown. We don't have a real name for it? Yeah. I'll give you media guys stuff to come up with. What's yours? assignment? Kill the quarterback. Hit the tight end so hard his girlfriend dies. Kill everyone. The football podcast for the fans, by the fan, where we discuss the X's and O's of each week's premier football game. We've got to be the dumbest team in America. In terms of playing the game.
1: I thought you were going to do one of
0: these. Your hosts are Jay and Alan.
1: When was the last time 80,000 people showed up to see a kid doing chemistry experiment? You play football like Ingeniero play football.
0: And Brian. But
1: they
2: are who we thought they were. When we let them off the hook.
0: And Lindsay. My
2: favorite scene. I don't know what a hokey is, but God is one of them. Go Virginia Tech.
0: Whichever one starts, starts. Whichever one's don't will back him up. Period. Cut and dry. You cannot play with him. Cannot win with them. Cannot coach with them. Can't do it. I can tell you how they feel about it. They don't like it. It's a lack of respect. It's not doing your homework and paying attention to what reality is. Now, let's get to the breakdown. Looks to me like they're coming up with a plan. Hello, you play to win the game. It's
3: time for the gridiron breakdown. Welcome to episode nine of the 2020 season as we head into week eight of college football and week seven for the NFL. I'm Jay. I'm Alan. I'm Brian.
4: And I'm Lindsay.
3: And we are here to get you set up for all of that action. Welcome to the party, Big Ten finally we're going to get some of that we'll be talking about that a uh, couple of big games this week we'll also hit up some sec some acc some big 12 some american a lot of stuff to get to and in, in addition to some awesome nfl action or some not so awesome nfl action depending on how you feel about the picks but we got to take a look back at the week that was and we got to go with the big game of last week in alabama and georgia Alabama found defense in the second half, and once again, a team from Georgia blew a second-half lead. Is anyone
1: surprised? <laughs> the only thing I'm surprised is that Alabama had the same quarterback start and finish the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that had not happen because Georgia in a while, they, they finally didn't lose to the backup quarterback. So. Jay, Jay, can we talk about just – You know, in that game, how talented the Alabama receivers are, you got to give Mac Jones credit. But I was watching some stuff that Jordan Rodgers was breaking down on some of the calls Sark was and how the outside receivers were taking away leverage from the safeties and really forcing them to chase after him. And let's be honest, there aren't too many safeties in in, in college football that can cover those three guys. Yeah, no doubt. And I, I got a question
3: for y'all, though. Everybody here is a bit of a wrestling fan, or at least a, a wrestling fan of the era of the people I'm about to mention. I want to know when Alabama went from being Ric Flair to going to be Goldberg. Because here's what happens: You know, Alabama used to be the team that would find your weakness and just kind of mess around with it for a little while, and they finally slap on a submission hold, and it was over. You know, and they played to the crowd, and everybody hated them. Now they just take forever to get to the ring, but when they finally do, it's boom, 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 three moves, and you're done. When did Alabama go from Flair to
2: Goldberg?
1: I mean, I think it had to be sometime between 2016 and 2017, kind of when Kiffin got there. I don't know that you completely saw it when Jalen was the quarterback, but once Tua got there and and took over the starting job, it was sky's the limit. Um, We're just going to – Hit you with everything we got as fast as we can and see what sticks.
4: Yeah, God, I Goldberg. mean, I don't know if I'd call them Goldberg. I really feel like Triple H, H is more of uh, more of their speed, right? Because they kind of run things. No one's surprised when they win. Um <laughs>
2: you married to the boss's <laughs> daughter.
3: Exactly.
2: <laughs> I would also say for the Triple H acknowledgement there is that uh, he tries to make you look good at the beginning, but then it's his show. Right. Yeah, that's how it works. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah. Just, I'll play around with you for five minutes, but then I'm going to just dominate.
3: Yeah. You know what? I, I will accept that. They've gone from Ric Flair to be in Triple H. I, I will accept that. That that's an excellent comparison. And Ric Flair would be
2: so happy. And so <laughs> <laughs> I'm
3: sure he would. Uh, you know, the thing is, though, and you mentioned Mac Jones. I mean, yeah, he, he's playing outstanding. Part of that is he's surrounded by outstanding talent, but he can still distribute the ball well. So, no no, no shade on the dude. I mean, he's throwing for 300 yards or 400 yards three straight games. So, he's definitely getting it done. Man, the rest of the SEC is just meh at quarterback, though, y'all. Like, if, I don't know if y'all checked this out. Like, Kyle Trash from Florida is pretty good the last time we saw him play. He took, you know, the week off with the COVID situation last week. But everybody else is either – really bad or just incredibly mediocre in the sec i i I mean there's a lot of good receivers in the league but they ain't nobody getting them the ball
2: stetson bennett Bennett was like touted as this savior for georgia and then kind of just shit the bed this last week but i mean he was doing all right until alabama
1: well i mean and that's just it we thought we were going to have all these great quarterbacks kyle trask and miles brennan well okay yes i almost did slip up and say felipe franks at arkansas did, did i will retract that, that. <laughs> uh, you know we thought we were gonna have um the kid from wake forest Jay, um his name slips on the line jamie in georgia newman. jamie, jamie newman. newman um you know everybody thought garantano was not going to be jared garantano um yeah. But unfortunately, you know, I, I think, you know, last year you had several really good quarterbacks in the league with, you know, Tua and Joe Burrow who just broke every record there is. You had Jake yeah. from State Farm at Georgia, but yeah, the quarterback <laughs> play has fallen off big time and yeah. it's ugly.
3: Yeah, it's it's a lot of growing pains and not not looking pretty doing it, but
1: Well, I you know, mean we- the the fact that Tennessee became the first team ever to win two games by 20-plus points in a season while having under 300 total yards of offense in a game tells you all you need to know.
3: Yeah, it really does. I, it, the SEC, though, looked like it found defense again last week. Two teams that absolutely did not, Memphis and UCF, we kind of knew that was going to be a shootout, right? Gang, they combined for 1,600 yards of offense, and get this, <laughs> Thank God. no Turnovers in the game. Memphis won that one 50 to 49. I mean, you got everything you wanted in that game. You got video game football. You got crazy uniforms. You got weird stadium. And you got kicker rage at the end of the game where he tries to punch out a wide receiver. I mean, that you couldn't <laughs> ask for a more American game than UCF Memphis.
4: <laughs> I feel like those are the games that, like, that's what that's why Americans don't like soccer as much. <laughs> Soccer's <laughs> never going to score that high. It's never going to happen. And now after a game like this, it's really never going to happen.
3: Right? Like like the 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 European football version of that would be like 3 to 2, you know, mm-hmm. or something like or you know, 4 to maybe. 3. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Yeah. I well, I am old enough to remember too, when like every hockey match was 2 to 1. know or something and now you know you got 16 to 12 and it's just insane baseball's the same (laughs) way but yeah that that was our friend josh hathaway texted me he was like dude like defense got left at the bus and told to go somewhere else like they didn't even come like did they even play defense and not much for 1600 yards of offense that is nuts the acc had an interesting weekend i mean clemson did some depraved things to georgia tech (laughs) i i think georgia tech had a total number of completions was less than was less than the number of incompletions uh, t- uh, Taylor or whatever his name is um, golden boy had before they pulled in the second quarter um, uh, Trevor Lawrence who I'm trying to spit out I, I mean I knew that like, Clemson was gonna beat Georgia Tech they beat them 73 to 7 they could
2: have scored 90 they really took him out in the second quarter I was I didn't even watch that game I think he may have gone yeah, out I mean, of the mean, Clemson scored efforts.
1: 35 points. Yeah. yeah. In the second quarter. Clemson scored 35 points in the second quarter. 52 Jeez. points at half. I mean yeah. they yeah, they okay. dropped a bomb on Tech. I mean, Tech tied it at seven to seven and then Trevor Lawrence threw an interception and then it just went all downhill for Georgia Tech fast. Yeah, they got run on,
3: they got thrown on. I mean, the greatest social media troll job of the weekend has to go to the Clemson people, though, because you know Atlanta's the 404 area code. Georgia Tech's kind of built the whole marketing campaign out of the 404. They pulled Trevor Lawrence when he had exactly 404 yards of, of passing. And they <laughs> tweeted, like, how many yards did Trevor have today? It was a picture of the big 404 on the field. <laughs> I was like – That's just like a burn that you live for (laughs) if you're the marketing intern, whoever did that. So um, North Carolina, we should say the previously number five ranked North Carolina went to Florida state. And I wrote this in the notes because it it was as a question, because I want to ask sports center told me that they lost because they got caught up in Florida state's mystique. I wasn't aware Florida state still had any mystique, but apparently they do. Hmm.
1: I thought that Mystique got left on a field in uh, Pasadena, California, and in aisle seven of the Save More.
3: Right? Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, that, w- that did – I mean, they no, spotted him see, 33 see, points and then tried to come back and kept dropping the ball in the second half.
1: See, what had happened, Jay, was the ACC isn't very good. You got Clemson, oh. and everybody else is just garbage. UNC had no business – being number five in the country. They were just kind of there by, oh, all these other teams lost. This team's undefeated. They've won. Here you go. And, I mean, but, like,
4: know- also, doesn't the ACC have more ranked teams than any other conference right now?
1: Maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure that <laughs> any of them outside of Clemson would win an SEC conference game or a big game I'm City just conference saying, I'm game. just
4: throwing it out there. I'm just throwing it out there.
3: Uh, Lindsay, you can You can uh, thump the table a little bit, though, because your Virginia Tech Hokies finally looked healthy, and then they steamrolled they Boston College.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, happy to see that, actually. Yeah. Um, Surprised hooker stayed in the game the entire time. We definitely thought we'd switch out a quarterback with Burmeister at, uh, at some point, but we didn't, we, we played hooker the whole time. And, um, Khalil Herbert is now, um, reaching Michael Vick status in Virginia tech lore. So I'm both in numbers and in popularity. So it's a big moment for him. People don't throw that name around lightly when it comes to football. Um, (laughs) 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 <laughs> 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 everything True. else notwithstanding but um but yeah so it was it was definitely a fun game to watch it was way more fun than watching us lose to unc so <laughs> we also had a, a lot of our defense back too like some of yeah. our big our big defensive guys were back so yeah,
1: yeah that you helped. can tell yeah you can tell oh, but yeah, in that running yeah. game for tech is just it's not huge yeah, I mean, when they want to yeah. run the ball, they run the ball on you. Yeah, I
3: mean they even ran it on on North Carolina too. If you take out that first quarter, I know this sounds like Brody Kroll, but we take out the first quarter. They played pretty toe to toe with North Carolina a week before, but Notre <laughs> Dame on the other hand looked about as slow and sloppy as you possibly can against a bad team. Louisville is a bad football team, and Notre Dame looked bored against them. And I I don't know if it's Notre Dame is bored or they're just not any good. I I don't
1: I don't get I it. Can't, I can key the, their problem, Jay. They don't have any receivers, mm. so their passing game is atrocious. So they are tied to Ian Book running the ball and occasionally making a pass and their running game. I mean, they struggled with Florida State. They let Florida State jump out to a lead, and they had to claw back and win that one. And, I mean, when you win a game 12-7 to 7 and you're having to score a touchdown in the fourth quarter to, you know, take the lead um, – That's not pretty. And, I mean, they got some tough games coming up. I think they got Clemson in two or three weeks. Um, Notre Dame has not impressed me at all.
3: Yeah, they better figure it out, that's for sure. The NFL also had an interesting weekend. I mean, the Steelers totally flexed on the Browns. uh, And I guess – I mean, I don't know, Brian. I mean, for me, I just kind of felt like that was just Cleveland being Cleveland. But uh, Pittsburgh's looked pretty, pretty good so far.
2: Oh, they have. I think they're playing well on both sides of the ball. Uh, Roethlisberger, maybe that year off was good for him. You know, maybe it it did a lot to, to help him heal and get better for the season because he wasn't looking great when he went down. So maybe that was a good thing for him. The Browns, man, just when you thought they were starting to come out of their shell, they just curl up and pluck back in. Um, yeah, I'm, maybe it's the mystique of the game. I mean, they haven't won a game in Pittsburgh, I think they said, since 2003 or something like that. Wow. Uh, so it's been a while. Uh, yeah. So maybe that was what what it, what it was. They just can't get over that hype. It's the same thing when uh, the Twins play the Yankees in baseball. They can't get over that hump. Maybe it's the same for Cleveland. They can't get over the hump with Pittsburgh here.
3: Yeah, you thought this—you thought they'd at least put up a little more fight, but like I so say, they got completely flash fried in that one. The Titans, on the other hand, built this huge lead against the Texans, then blew it almost completely. Then came back and—and and you got to go look it up, folks. If you didn't go, you want to watch game management. Mike Vrabel gets a gets a penalty on purpose to save forty seconds as the Texans <laughs> are driving the ball late, and they score. He's like, whatever. Tennessee goes back down the field, kicks a field goal, ties it up. Goes into overtime, and Derrick Henry absolutely had taken over that game at that point. 250 all-purpose yards in the game. He scores the winning touchdown out of the Wildcat. I mean, they ain't no way that he, you knew what was coming. He wasn't going to throw it. And the <laughs> Titans have have raced out to five and and0 And I I don't know. I gotta be this, the surprise five and 0 team of the NFL. I thought they'd be good. I didn't think they'd be that good.
2: Yeah, I think uh, the Derrick Henry had like a 94-yard run to tie the game Yeah, at the end there. That's just crazy. Uh, Titans are looking, I don't know. I, I'm not going to say great because they, they really don't look Great. They give up a lot of points. That defense needs to shore up. But Ryan Tannehill is keeping them. Ryan Tannehill and, and Derrick Henry are keeping them in the game. And yeah. that's all they can really ask for at this point. Until Rabel gets that defense moving, they need to work on uh that getting the offense to score as many points as possible. And they're doing it. So yeah, they're five and oh. They're not a great five and oh, though, I would say.
3: <laughs> Lindsay what? what? Happened to Tampa Bay and Green Bay. What happened to Green Bay specifically? Aaron Rodgers got stomped.
4: Poor Aaron Rodgers. Aw, <laughs> poor little peanut, and <laughs> just <laughs> <laughs> just got sacked so many times. <laughs> I'm sure. I don't. I don't.
1: I don't know. Well, the crazy um, thing I mean, about is it, that game. As the Packers jumped out the 10 to nothing lead and looked like they were about to blow out the Bucks, and then yeah. I fell asleep and woke up and the Bucks were kicking our butts.
2: Yeah, so there you go. You fell asleep. Yeah.
1: Out of...
2: It was you Adam. Uh, it, They ran yeah, into was... Tom Brady. Yeah. That's what it was. Tom but Brady it was seriously, said, they had I'm the goat. You're not.
4: But didn't Aaron Rodgers got sacked like five or six times?
2: Yeah, was any two right? pre- yeah, interceptions. It was, it was a lot. Yeah. Vita Vehu?
4: Yeah, Yeah. I didn't need him. I think I picked him.
2: That's that's interesting. Stat about that is that
1: is only Aaron Rodgers' third pick six in his entire career. That is nuts. That's why he's been playing a long
3: time. That's that's crazy.
1: I, I do want to tell you something interesting about the Titans game. You're talking about that long run Henry had. Uh, pro football focus said that he reached a top speed of like 21.76 miles an hour. Said he was the third fastest ball carrier they've had in the NFL this year. Says he weighs like 45 pounds more than the other two guys. <laughs> yeah,
3: right. I was going to say, he's, he is like a Mack truck doing that versus a sports car. That is, that is insane. He, he was mad that field. he didn't get
1: to 22. That's what he said. They asked him, right. but
3: he's like, well, I, should, I thought I hit 22. <laughs>
1: as all these people are falling behind him
3: somehow adam gase is still employed by the jets as of this recording um i I, my only thought is ownership doesn't trust greg williams for anybody else to be the interim coach and they're just they're just taking it out
2: here's the thing i think they trust those guys too much well no (laughs) i think uh, greg williams shot himself in the foot last week had he not maybe said what he said and made the organization look bad, there might have been a chance he would have gotten that nod. But now they're pissed at him. And uh, you know, whatever. Uh maybe they're holding on to him so that they can continue to keep losing. They're seeing what happens when you fire coaches and your team starts winning. They don't want that. Right. You don't <laughs> want to blow the draft pick. That's that's what right. it is. Uh,
3: somehow the Chicago bears are five and one got to be the ugliest five and one in the NFL, but they still, they're getting it done though. Like that that's on one hand, I keep knocking them for being this real ugly kind of defense and sort of a halfway run team with Nick Foles and his, you know, sort of arm back there, but they still, they found ways to win. Now. I don't know if it's, they haven't really played anybody yet or not, but Carolina's decent and they, I mean, they beat
1: Tampa on the road.
2: Yeah. I Yeah, I don't that was get a big it. one. That's uh, about the only big one they have though. I mean, other than that, the team look at the teams they've they've beaten. They're not really that good. Carolina shows flashes, right? Uh but I wouldn't consider them great or good. The, Bears are, going, go, the uh, Bears are not uh, gonna keep riding this high. They're gonna come down.
1: It's but, just you know, better. for all for all the teams that I mean Pittsburgh maybe Well, even they've kind of messed around in a few games. There's nobody who's just blowing me away. Like, I know Kansas City's good, and I know Pittsburgh's good, and I know Seattle's good. But they've had a lot of close games, and they're not what we mm-hmm. usually expect. Like, Seattle's giving up a lot of points. They're having to outscore people. Uh, Pittsburgh, I mean, they let Philadelphia hang in that game and make it close at the end. they nobody the only who's undefeated
3: just... team playing defense, though, right now. Like, the Titans and and the Seahawks can outscore people. The, the Steelers, legitimately, it's hard to score on them. Like, they they have a really good defense.
1: The, they do, and that's why I'm saying they, they may be playing the best ball of anybody, but even the Chiefs have looked mortal at times and you know, kind of had to eke out a couple of wins there. Uh, and maybe this is no um, spring training, no long fall camps, no preseasons. or just a lot of sloppy football, and I think you're seeing a lot of just kind of mediocrity. Especially from the AFC and uh, the NFC East. Oh man, let's talk. The NFC, oh, somebody's going to win that
3: division <laughs> going six and 10 or something, and it's going to be horrible. Like it, yeah, it's bad. Oh, yeah. We, well, bro, I'm, I'm texting with Brian last night, and he's, you know, just hoping Kyler Murray doesn't score another set of fantasy points. I think you had to keep him under 38 or something to win, and you got pretty close. I had a
2: 38 point lead going into that game, and I thought, oh, 38 points, no, no chance. And then that, Guy just keeps going and going and going. And I was like, oh my God, I might lose this game. He had 32 in the end. Yeah. And if it weren't for Kenyon Drake's 60 yard run, he probably would have gotten to 38. Honestly, yeah. he was thing, on a tear. The thing is though, you look at it like he's not efficient at all.
3: He just throws touchdowns. I mean, he's like eight of 20 for three touchdowns at one point in 200 yards, which is the most insane stat line you can get.
2: Yeah. Uh, he he does it more with his legs. That's what I think killed me the most. I mean, he ran a t- went in for a touchdown and he had like 80 yards rushing. So he, he was also doing it against the
3: Cowboys wet paper bag. Oh defense yes.
2: Thing. For sure. Yeah.
3: And now there's, there's dissension in the locker room, Lindsay. They're talking about like, Oh no, everybody's fighting. And I'm like,
1: so <laughs> what <laughs> else when you, is loses, what you do <laughs> I, I do believe I said when we were doing our preview show that, they hired Mike McCarthy, and I've seen this show a few times, and this is exactly how it turns out. Like, this is what I learned from being a Packers fan during the McCarthy era. Don't trust the man. <laughs> the
3: McCarthy. You era. See, you lived in the McCarthy
2: era.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well,
4: well, it was there. Like you 10 did. Years. You did say that. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, it is. It is time to to look at the picks records. So, mm-hmm. you three all went four and five last week because so we had a game get get canceled so we pulled one off the schedule yours truly went five and four thank you very much so finally got on the other side that brings (laughs) up the totals to brian you're 44 and 20 alan you're 41 and 23 so you've closed the gap Lindsay, 39 and 25 i am 35 and 29 holding up that uh that fourth leg the whole way through there but uh, yeah that's our picks record no real changes in the standings but we all took a few on the chin last week we talked about some of those you know uh you know Brian, if you just not believed in the dogs, you'd still have a little bit more of a lead, but oh well. Go um, no so, dogs. We tried to yep. talk you out of it. My just. bad. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we, we, we are flipping the script a little bit this week. Brian, you're jumping in the college game because it's mm-hmm. Big Ten time, and you're leading us off with first featured game of the week. Michigan, the Wolverines on the road to take on the Minnesota Golden Gophers. This is your 6.30 p.m. Central, 7.30 p.m. Fox game of the week. Brian break it all down for us
2: all right yes i'm excited uh this is the only time i get really excited about college football if i'm being honest is when my gophers are playing and not that that's ever been a good thing but you know we're rowing the boat here we're rowing the boat uh number 18 versus number 21 if i'm not mistaken unless that's changed since i looked it up uh michigan comes in at number 18 minnesota at 21 uh high hopes for both teams this year last year of course the gophers finished the season 11 and 2 beating your auburn tigers in the outback bowl that i i don't remember last time they got a good bowl win so That's fun. Uh, Michigan, on the other hand, finished 9-5 and on the season and had a loss in the Citrus Bowl to Alabama. So coming off a disappointing season, I'd say, for Jim Harbaugh and Michigan. But, you know, here we go. This is for the little brown jug. That's right. Trophy game for this team. Uh, Michigan has dominated this series. They've played, uh, I think it's something like 103 times in the history of the schools. 75 wins for Michigan, 25 losses, and three ties. Not a good record for Minnesota here. Michigan is right now currently favored by three, again, unless that's changed since I've done my research. Michigan has won eight of the last nine games, and two have been uh, eight of the last nine games, and they've only lost three times to the Gophers since 1978. That's a long time. Wow. Long time. <laughs> Uh, They are 33-12-1 in Minneapolis and 2-0 at TCF Bank Stadium, which is where this game will be held. The Gophers' defense is very young, very inexperienced. And on the offensive line, the Gophers are bringing back – on the offensive side, the Gophers are bringing back quarterback Tanner Morgan and the 2019 Big Ten Receiver of the Year, Rashad Bateman, who was allowed to recommit after initially opting out of the season due to COVID. Also back are Chris Ottman – Sorry, Chris Ottman Bell and at wide receiver, or at wide receiver and Muhammad Ibrahim at running back. Michigan comes into the game without star wide receiver Nico Collins, who opted out and signed with an agent, making him ineligible to come back in. Along with losing four of their starting offensive linemen, uh, QB Shea Patterson and wide receiver Donovan Peoples Jones, who entered the NFL draft last year instead and is now on those dreaded Cleveland Browns. Harbaugh still hasn't declared who their starting quarterback will be as of this recording. It will either be redshirt sophomore, Joel Middleton, who is favored or Cade McNamara, uh, whatever Cade on the defensive side. Michigan has three returning linemen and includes two, all big 10 ends, Quidi pay and Aiden Hutchinson. And the front seven are expected to be the heart of this team. So it comes down to this young inexperienced defense can they hold off a inexperienced quarterback and a offensive line that well let's just say we don't know what to expect of because they've lost most of their players or will michigan trump them like they're supposed to i'm going to pick michigan 28 minnesota 20 in this one all right
1: alan uh, you know, it's interesting enough. I mean, let's be honest, Harbaugh has severely underachieved in the eyes of the Michigan fan base. Uh, also, Jay, they haven't renewed his contract, which expires at the end of this year, just FYI. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's the thing I think PJ Flex a better coach. I think Michigan, uh, Minnesota has a better quarterback. I've watched Michigan play offense for the last five years, it's been awful. I know what the Josh Gaddis experiment is like. It's going to be terrible. Their defense may be good, but they're not going to be able to score enough to win this game. Give me the Gophers. I'm going to row the boat 24 to 13. Ooh, you like them big, right? All right, All right Lindsay. Like
4: oh, man. Alan just changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Originally, I had Michigan to win this game, but I am going to flip and go Minnesota 27-21.
3: All right. Well, I'm going to tell you, I think Michigan's going to win for two-word reason. Dr. Blitz. Doc Brown, the defensive coordinator, in game one when nobody's had any experience yet, go with the defense that's going to apply pressure Give me Michigan, close and ugly, but they get it done 20-17. to 17. I like the Wolverines here. So interesting that we're split on that one. Well, Alan, we, we go over to you, and we, we step outside of the Power Five to watch ourselves take Mr. Willard down for a minute, and we get to see the Cincinnati Bearcats, 3-0, and on the road to take on those SMU Mustangs. Last time SMU was 5-0, and the NCAA was calling them. It's the 8 p.m., 9 p.m. <laughs> ESPN2 game of the week. Uh, I, Pony excess, by the way, one of the best thirty for thirties ever. Highly yeah. recommended.
2: Very good. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, tell us what this is going to be about, man. This this has the makings of
1: the game of the year in in the AAU. Well, I mean, this game's really going to be a game of a contrasting styles. Uh, SMU brings the offense. Cincinnati with Luke Fickle brings the defense. You know, SMU's kind of had a gut out two close wins in a row by beating Memphis and beating. Tulane Shane has looks really good. Uh, he's got over seventeen hundred yards with twelve touchdowns against only two interceptions. Uh, he's made a huge difference on that team. Uh, they're averaging five hundred and sixty yards of offense, three fifty through the air, two hundred on the ground. Uh, Ulysses Bentley the fourth leads the team in rushing with eight touchdowns and five hundred yards. That's a name. If you, if uh, Benton <laughs> is the law firm, I don't know. I guess he's the general maybe. Um, the receiving yeah. core really gets it done. Listen to this. They got five guys who all have over 14 catches and 150 yards. Uh, they spread the ball out. They can hurt you in multiple ways. Now, the SMU defense, on the other hand, um, it's kind of a problem. Um, they've given up over 24 points in four out of their five games, and their first three opponents were garbage opponents and still scored on them. They allow over 400 yards a game. Now, the flip side of that, though, is they forced 10 turnovers. So they're, they're getting the ball back, but this this unit is a liability. Um, Cincinnati gets things done on defense, like I said. They've only allowed 300 yards a game and only 12 points a game. Uh, they forced eight turnovers in three games. They've, they've shut down everybody they played. If you go back and watch that Army game, the way they handled the triple option was just impressive because it, usually Army gets you. Uh, that triple option um, – you know, we've seen them take Oklahoma to the wire with it, take some big teams with it. And Cincinnati just said, no, we're, we're not having this. And they stuffed it all <laughs> night long. Um, the Cincy offense is – it's been an adventure to say the least. Um, Desmond Ryder has been serviceable at best. Uh, this uh, team has turned the ball over seven times, including four interceptions. Um they're only averaging 218 yards through the air. Now, they do do make up with that with 178 on the ground. This offense is nothing to get excited about. Um, you know, there's nothing pretty. There's nothing sexy about it. I guess that makes sense, Luke Fickle being a defensive coach. Um, you know, getting down to, to brass tacks here, I think SMU has played well, but I think they played it with fire. They're, they're playing with uh, house money, and a tough defense might be a struggle for them. I think since he's able to slow down that offense enough, get a few turnovers, a few advantageous scores, I like Cincy to keep it uh, close and win 27-24.
3: All right, you've got Cincinnati. Lindsay. what do you say?
4: Yeah, um, I I just think Cincinnati has a better overall team. SMU has, yes, won – a bunch of games, but three out of the five or seven points or fewer. Um, so I've got Cincinnati winning this one too, 32 to 24.
2: All right, Brian, what about you? Uh, I got to go with that high powered offense. I'm going with SMU 35 to 28 over Cincinnati at home.
3: You know, I, I want to tell
2: you, I really
3: was toying with this one all week. Cause I thought, man, that Cincinnati defense is severe. Yeah. They don't do anything flashy on offense, but that SMU defense is not great. But Shane Bussell has come around. I'm gonna pull the trigger on it. I think they're. I think SMU's gonna sucker him into a shootout since he's not gonna be able to keep up. Give me SMU 30 to 27 over Cincinnati in this one. So we'll go Mustangs in this. Well, Lindsay, it's time for your uh, featured game of the week the nebraska corn huskers on the road to take on the ohio state university it's the 11 a.m central 12 noon kickoff on fox yeah like immediately at the end of last week's show Lindsay's like i'm doing that game next week so <laughs> you planted your flag in it please break it I down did. for us
4: yeah, um, I I think it's just Nebraska Cornhuskers. I'm pretty sure Ohio State's the only school pretentious enough to put the, the right in front of it. But <laughs> I could be wrong. Um, so, yeah, interesting thing about this is Nebraska and Ohio State were the two biggest or the two most vocal schools in the Big Ten against Big Ten leadership as far as being able to play this year. So, Scott Frost, Nebraska head coach, actually for the last couple of weeks has basically just been praising Ohio State and talking about how grateful he is that Ohio State was so vocal and pushed so hard to make this season happen. So, uh, I mean, he's, he's probably right. Without the pushing of, like, Ohio State and the juggernaut that they are in the Big Ten, we may not be talking about this game right now. So... Good for Scott Frost, being a nice Nebraska boy, like all Nebraskans are. (laughs) Um, So one of the other big notes about this is Nebraska's schedule. So obviously they're starting a really difficult game against Ohio State. Um, No one expects Nebraska to win, but Ohio State isn't the only – you know, red flag in Nebraska's schedule. In fact, their first four games, um, three out of the first four games are all top 15 schools. You've got Ohio State, Penn State, State, and Wisconsin. And a lot of people are saying, maybe it's because Nebraska is a little too vocal against Big Ten uh, leadership. Maybe
2: it's the lawsuit. (laughs)
4: could be who knows um the point is nebraska's schedule is not going to be easy and those boys are going to get uh probably beat up a little bit um not to mention you know the famed black shirts of the nebraska defense haven't even been mentioned yet this year so i believe they've named their starters but they haven't black shirted their or they've named their captains, but no one's received a black shirt yet, which is like a big deal um, on Nebraska defense. So who knows if that will actually happen. So um, uh, Nebraska and Ohio State have actually only played each other eight times ever, and Nebraska has lost seven out of those eight times. Uh, They won, I believe, in 2011 was the only time they won. They played twice in the 1950s. And then, again, in the 2011-19. Uh, to 19. So not um, exactly a formidable opponent for Ohio State, but I uh, think Nebraska will be hyped up to win. They don't need to win. They just need to not look like an embarrassment, I think, for the Nebraska fans is pretty much their goal here. If you're on Nebraska's team, You know, looking across the line that you will most likely be staring at a top three round draft pick, (laughs) staring back at you. Now, Ohio State is starting uh, QB Justin Fields, who's a Heisman contender and hasn't even played yet. So we'll see uh, if he if he meets that, um, you know, if he meets those expectations. One of the best offensive lines in the country, including Wyatt Davis, who is projected to be a first-round draft pick as well for Ohio State. The D-line is the only big question for Ohio State, but that may not be a big deal, considering defense is merely a suggestion, as we discussed last week. Uh, So, may matter, may not. Um, And the spread for this game... Is 27 and a half points. Ohio State is projected to win by and climbing. I believe when it started two weeks ago, it was at 25, and then they raised it to Ohio State being favored by 27 and a half points. It's the only game in the Big Ten that has a total over 60 projected at the moment. Now, Nebraska is planning on starting Adrian Martinez, who looked really good in 2018. Not so good last year. So they're hoping that he'll live up to the 2018 Adrian Martinez. Again, I don't think anyone's really expecting Nebraska to win, but it would be nice if they could at least keep up a little bit. Um, They also have a stud receiver in Wondell Robertson or Robinson. They have a Juco transfer in Omar Manning, but he's kind of a mystery. No one's really heard much about him since he transferred. So, That is a little up in the air as far as will he be great for Nebraska? He's big, which Nebraska needed at 6'4", 225 pounds, but we'll see. Because no one's seen either of them play. So I think that Ohio State is fully loaded. I don't think there's a question that they'll win. Um, I do have them winning a pretty steep game. Um, I'm going to take them at, uh, I actually didn't pick a score, so I'm pulling this one out. Let's go 64 to 32.
3: All right. Lots of points. (laughs) Lindsay's definitely going with the over Brian. What do you say?
2: Well, man, I think this, uh, this lack of games and everything is going to hurt both teams. And I'm going to put this at Ohio state winning 27, 24. All right. You like it close. Alan, what about you? Well, I'm going to say this. I'm pretty sure the black shirt defense hadn't existed
1: in like 20, 25 years. Just, You're Just right. throwing that out there. No, um, I,
4: everyone agrees with you. <laughs>
1: um, poor Nebraska. Poor Scott Frost. Ohio State's going to be angry. They got a point to prove because they got ground to make up on Alabama and Clemson. I like Nebraska 55 to 16. You mean I mean, no, I like Ohio State. Wow. Wow, man. Alan's Hold really
3: good. danger zone comes early.
1: Oh, um, uh, i got to check what's in this thing real quick.
3: Yeah, just water. You know, you know I here's the thing, Alan. You, you said it exactly right. Ohio State is going to feel like they've got something to prove. They're playing eight straight games. Who knows how many of them they get through. If they only get six or seven games in, they've got to impress people. Justin Fields also didn't. You know, opt out when he got the chance to come back and play again. He's got something to prove. And I think they are going to flash fry the corn uh this weekend. I I really do. Now, you know, Scott Frost being nice probably means that they call the dogs off a little sooner than they want to, because Ryan Day doesn't hate him the way he hates Jim Harbaugh. But I'm gonna go Ohio State big <laughs> in this one, 45 to 13. I like I like the buckeyes in this one too. Well, I get to play the role of Brian this week. I get to do the NFL feature game, and we already teased it. It's the Steelers and the Titans. 5-0 and versus 5-0. and This is your 12 p.m. Central, 1 p.m. CBS game. It's going to be amazing if you get to watch it. And, guys, I had to call in a ringer to help with this one, too. Friend of the show, longtime listener and contributor, Matt Presto, sent me a little, little thing on the Steelers. So I'm going to share that real quick with everybody. We'll listen to Presto, and then I'll come back and give you my thoughts.
0: Hey, guys, it's Matt. I'm really excited to have my first guest appearance on Gridiron Breakdown. I really appreciate Jay for inviting me on, and I'm here to talk about the 5-0 Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, they're 5-0 for the second time in franchise history, and a lot of it has to do with their hiring of Matt Canada in the offseason. Now, a lot of you are going to be saying, well, who's that? Well, he made a name for himself as the offensive coordinator at Pitt, And he was there during the Nathan Peterman era where they went to Death Valley and shocked the nation and upset Clemson. So whenever you watch the Steelers, you're going to see a lot of his wrinkles in their game. And you're going to see a lot of pre-snap motions, misdirection, getting the ball to the playmakers on the Steelers. You know, Ben can still hit the deep ball, but that's not his bread and butter these days. It's an older Ben. He's best suited at getting the ball around and spreading it around. And that's what you're going to see. And while Matt Cannon is just the quarterback's coach, he's pretty much the offensive coordinator in waiting. Now, one of the Titans' biggest weaknesses on defense is against the tight end. And the Steelers have a new weapon in Eric Ebron, who most of you know as you know having a coming-out party with the Colts. He finally got a quarterback, and he's pretty much picking up where he left off with the Steelers. The Steelers' offensive line started out kind of slow this year, but has really gelled and got it together. Uh, David DiCastro hasn't been able to stay healthy, but they've still been churning out uh, pretty decent rushing efforts, and it's, it's really picked up in the past couple of weeks. And this is also going to be a matchup of the Titans' strength and the Steelers' strength. The Steelers are only allowing uh, I, it's under 300 yards per game, Under 70 yards of rushing a game, and as the Titans, you know, you don't even need to say it. Derrick Henry, the king. Are the Steelers going to be able to stop him? The main criticism of the Steelers is they haven't faced anybody. Prior to the Browns, the uh, record of all the opponents that they faced is 5-17-1. And as you know for the Browns, a lot of people always fall for the hype train. You know, they start out hot, but as you saw last week, Baker Mayfield turned into a pumpkin. So can the Steelers finally prove it against a surefire playoff team? We're going to find out.
3: All right, so thanks to Matt for jumping in and talking a little bit about the Steelers there. Really appreciate that. He laid it out pretty good. Now, you know, here's some things you got to know. I mean, he he told you what the Steelers are doing on defense. They lost a huge piece of that defense last week with Devin Bush going down with an injury. He's gone for the year. Counter that though, the Titans lost their all-pro left tackle Taylor Lewan. ACL as well. He's out. So we'll come back to that in a second. The Steelers get things done this year, not by being flashy on offense. It's only 230 yards a game in the air, about 136 on the ground. They're efficient. They'll turn the ball over. And like Matt said, they only given up about 320 yards a game and only 66 yards rushing per game. Now, part of that is they've only played one team that could really run the football or prove they could run the football so far that was the Browns and we you know he laid it out pretty good the the Browns were kind of a fraud and and had done that against some chunk teams so the Steelers are going to get their first real test of the week because you know they 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 beat Cleveland they beat Philadelphia but like you know you were saying Brian they kind of let them hang around in that game a lot longer than they should have because Philly's not a good team they beat a wounded Houston team that's what got uh, I think that's what finally got Uh, old o'brien out of there they beat up denver who's awful and then they destroyed the jets or the giants on opening weekend the giants are trash this year so they haven't really faced any serious competition and their defense has given up some points though, but here's the thing on their defense that you got to worry about. Minka Fitzpatrick is a problem back there. He picks balls off. He flips the field for them. And that's another reason their, their offense doesn't have tons of yards. They're playing on short field, half the game. And that's how the Steelers are getting it done. Now for the Titans, Look, they've been, they've been toying with death all year on defense, giving up 25 points a game, 285 yards in the air, 137 yards on the ground. That is not going to get it done long-term. But what they have done is when they started playing better competition, they got better. Now, they beat Denver and Jacksonville in a couple – of, you know, ugly game week one. They beat Jacksonville in kind of a shootout because Jacksonville, Tennessee, if you know anything about the Titans and the Jags, it's always a weird game. And there's just a lot of hate there. And so, the, you know, the, the Jags played their best football that week. They hadn't been any good since. Then the Titans went on the road and made Minnesota and Kirk Cousins look good for about three quarters. where they finally, you know, showed what he really was. And they came back and won that game, Gostkowski – finally figured out how to kick field goals again. But the last two teams they played, they finally had to face Buffalo, and they did that after 13 days off and no practice, and they completely squashed that team. And Buffalo's a good football team. That's a playoff football team this year. Tennessee ran over them and bulldozed them. And then on a short week came back and found a way to win against the Texans team that is now united and is re-energized. They're still not that good, but they're playing for Romeo Cornell in a way that they weren't before. Derrick Henry is a beast, and he has a problem. But if you think that's all the Titans' offense is – you're not watching close enough. Ryan Tannehill has identical numbers to the way that Patrick Mahomes is playing and the way Russell Wilson is playing. He's got 1,300 yards, 13 touchdowns, only two picks, and he's getting it done by flinging it all over the field to AJ Brown and Corey Davis and Johnny Smith and Fisker and all these young players that you're just now starting to see come around for the Titans. It's 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 starting to work. The Titans, as I mentioned, lost their left tackle. Last week, that's a huge loss, but the Titans roll really deep on the offensive line. And I think without Bush on the other side to counteract that, to, to go up against that new left tackle, whoever they slot over there, I don't think it's that much of an advantage. I think it's a it's a wash. And I'm going to tell you, I think Tennessee is going is to be able to sucker Pittsburgh into trying to get into a shootout here, and I don't think the Steelers can do it. Hear me now. I think the Steelers are one of the best teams in the AFC. They're going to be contending for one of those top two, three spots in the playoffs but they're not going to get it done this week give me the titans 34 31 to take out the Steelers. brian
2: you and i are on the same page my friend uh the titans and the steelers this is going to be one of those uh games where the titans let steelers think they're going to be in this game and then they're going to pull it out at the end again Right. I agree with everything you said. They had started the season playing not so good teams, but the last two weeks that they played, especially coming off that two week hiatus and coming out and dominating the way they did against a team that had been playing, impressive. Right. And uh, like you said, the Texans started off awful, but they're playing much better ball now. And they still were able to find a way to win. They find a way to win again. Give me Tennessee 32, Steelers 31.
3: All right, so you like it 32-31 Lindsay. What do you say?
4: Oh, I all valid points, all of them. Uh however, <laughs> I <laughs> will respectfully disagree. Um I I think that I think the Pittsburgh's going to pull it out. I'm going to stick with them. Um I think they have one of the best run defenses right now and and Titans have a great passing game, so uh, that'll be a problem uh jay i think you mentioned that um but i i still i like Pitt 24
1: to 18. all right alan you know the first couple of games derrick henry didn't look all that great the titans offense was kind of the run game just wasn't there but the last two games derrick henry has been laying down the yards and if you know anything about henry he is a volume guy, and once he gets on a roll and gets in a groove, it can carry over from game to game, as you've seen the last few, several games of each of the last two seasons. Dude is on a roll right now. I'm not sure anybody can stop him. I think this will be a fun game. I think it's a good game, probably a game we'll see again in the playoffs. I like Tennessee 31-27. to 27. All right, so we've got three Tennessee, one for the Steelers. So it's time for our lightning round,
3: three college games, three NFL games. We're going to go Brian, Allen, Lindsey, and me on the picks. Let's start off in the SEC, the Auburn Tigers, two and two off that loss to South Carolina, on the road to take on the lane train at Old Miss, one and three. That's your 11 a.m., 12 p.m. SEC network kick. Brian, who you got?
2: Sorry, Jay. Give me Old Miss, 28, Auburn, 20. All
1: right, Alan. You don't have to apologize to him. Um, you know, <laughs> I've really struggled with this one because this seems like it's the kind of game where it's like, I think Auburn's going to lose and then they come out and just absolutely obl- obliterate Ole Miss. Here's the thing I'm hoping Matt Cor- Coral, Corral doesn't throw six interceptions again. And I think that, that, that Ole Miss is playing as a try. Well, this is their plan every week. They want somebody to get in a shootout with them. And I think if they do that, Here's the thing: Bo Nix has not been good on the road. Uh, he's been absolute garbage on the road, to be honest. So I think the lane train gets on back back on track. I like uh, Ole Miss forty-five to forty-two. All right, Lindsay. Well, Ole
4: Miss has the nation's worst, second worst, one of the worst defenses, <laughs> allowing uh, three nine three hundred ninety-four yards in last week's loss to Arkansas. And uh, Alan, you mentioned Bo Nix and despite only hitting 55% of his passes, I think he'll be motivated enough to, uh, to, to win this one. And also I can't not pick a team with a quarterback named Bo Nix. So I've got Auburn winning 42 to 34.
3: All right. You guys got a lot of points going on this one. I think this is an ugly slot fest kind of a game. Ole miss y'all they just don't have the defense if Auburn is smart and removes the head from whatever orifice is in that makes them want to throw the ball 50 times a game and we'll just run the football they win this game I like Auburn 26 23 in this one but won't be surprised if it goes the other way we go out to the big 12 it's it's a big one man Iowa State taking the cyclones on the road three and one taking on Oklahoma State three and oh this is your 230 p.m 330 Fox
2: game Brian who you got Give me the Cowboys in this one. I'm going to go Oklahoma State 33, Iowa State 27. All right, Alan.
1: You know, I didn't have time to research this stat, unfortunately. I was trying to find the last time that Iowa State beat Oklahoma and Oklahoma State in the same year. I'm sure it was a really long time ago. Iowa State has a heck of a running game. They're going to they're gonna take down the Cowpokes. I like Iowa State 27-20. All right, Lindsey.
4: Nice. Yeah. Oklahoma State hasn't played for a couple weeks. So I think Iowa State will be a little better conditioned. Also, Iowa State got their really embarrassing upset out of the way already. So I have Iowa State winning 34 to 30
3: all right they get their face done do you think look i like the cowboys here too i think chuba hubbard and i think that defense is actually pretty good i'm gonna like uh, oklahoma state in this one to get it done 44 41 i think it's a shootout but i think they can they can hang we'll stay with the big 12 baylor one and one on the road to take on texas two and two it's the 2:30 p.m 3:30 espn
2: game is it horns up or horns down brian when did Baylor play last? I don't remember. A while. Uh, <laughs> give me Texas. I'm going to go 21-17. It's going to be ugly. All right, Alan. Well, you made the optimum
1: word there. Every game Texas has played this year has been ugly. <laughs> um, now, I'm not so sure that, you know, Tom Herman doesn't have the Mayflower moving company on speed dial at this point in time. Uh, guys, Dave Aranda's is a heck of a coach. He is going to have a game plan to force – a Texas offense that turns the ball over to turn it over even more. Baylor should be well rested. Uh, I like Baylor 31 to 24. All right, Lindsay.
4: I'm not putting all my eggs in the uh, Ellinger basket, but I think you'll still get it done for Texas. And I like Texas winning 34 to 27.
3: Yeah, you, you just uh, said it, Lindsay. I think he's the difference in the game. Dave Aranda's still trying to install a system. Baylor's just going to be a little too rusty. Texas, 27 24 in this one. We go to the NFL. This is going to be a real barn burner. The Detroit Lions, <laughs> two and three. On the, the, we take Motown down to the dirty South to take on the Atlanta Falcons at one and five. This is your 12 p.m., 1 p.m. Fox, and nobody's going to watch it game. Brian, who's going to win?
2: Hey, look at what happened, man. They fire their coach. They come out, and they destroy the Vikings. Uh, They're happy. They're loving it. They're thinking they're back on it, and they're going to win this game because Detroit just sucks. (laughs) 28-17, Atlanta. All right, Alan. You know, Detroit got a win over
1: Jacksonville last week, but Jacksonville just looked like it didn't even show up to the game. I think the Falcons – uh keep the Raheem Morris train rolling. They might even do the dirty bird after the game's over. Give me the Falcons 35 to 27. Lindsey.
4: Yeah. Um Atlanta's Julio Jones back plus Matt Ryan and Ridley, and they prove they can put up points after last week. Um and I I've got Hotlanta winning thirty to twenty one.
3: I'm going to tell you something. If you ever trust an Atlanta team to do anything good in a game when it matters, you are buying the wrong stock. <laughs> Detroit is garbage, but they get this one done. They save Patricia one more week. I like the Detroit in this one, 24-18. to 18. All right, Seattle on the road after a week off, 5-0, and oh, taking on those hot Arizona Cardinals, 4-2 on the short week. This is your 305-405 Fox game. This one ought to be real good. Brian, who you got?
2: You said it earlier, Seattle is, uh, you know, not playing such good defense. And Arizona, finding ways to score. So, for me, I, I got Seattle winning this game, but it's going to be 38-32. All right, Alan. You know,
1: Seattle's coming off the bye. They had the week off. You got Arizona off the short week, like you said. I think this should be a real fun game to watch. I think Pete Carroll lets Russ continue to cook. I like the Seattle 38-31. to Lindsay.
4: Yeah, I'm with it. Um first in red zone efficiency. Russell Wilson leads the NFL in touchdown passes. I don't think Arizona's D is gonna keep up. So I've got Seattle winning thirty seven to twenty six.
3: Well, let's all start normalizing Russell Wilson MVP into our language. All right, because it's gonna happen this year. We're just we're gonna make fetch happen this year. I like Seattle in this one. Well rested. Arizona's gonna put up a fight, but give me the Seahawks 41 to 32. Last one, and this ought to be real good for the Monday night football game. The 7 p.m. 715 p.m., 8.15 p.m. kickoff Monday night. The Chicago Bears, five and one. Get to take that, that record, that ugly record on the road to take on the four and two Los Angeles Rams. This one ought to be real interesting. Brian, who you got?
2: Not only do they have to travel across the country to get there to play this game, but this is the game Nick Foles falls back down to earth, and the Bears start their steep decline into the bottom of the NFC North. (laughs) Give me the Rams, 21-13. I mean, not only is he calling for the loss, he's calling for the complete and utter destruction.
1: All right, Alan. You know, Chicago, how they're 5-1, I have no clue, but the Rams have been all over the map uh san francisco just beat the crap out of them last week uh the rams are hard to pin down as a team but i just don't think they got it this year i like chicago 24 to 16 all right Lindsay.
4: yeah i mean chicago's run game isn't great but they've been doing a pretty solid job holding holding qbs rams have been okay inconsistent alan think Basically mentioned that Uh, I've I've got Chicago winning 24-17.
3: Listen, I'm going to tell y'all how mean the Rams' defense is. It's like Clint Eastwood at the end of Unforgiven. If anybody says anything else bad about him, he's not only going to kill them. He's going to kill their whole family, burn their house down, and shoot the dog. The Rams are going to wax Nick Foles. I like the Rams here 24-10. to 10. Alan, you got the daily double last week. Two danger zones hit last week for you, bringing you back to 500. Who you got for us this week on the Upset Alert special?
1: Well, you know, I – It felt good to hit both games last week. Let me just get that out of the way. I don't know that's ever happened on the show. Uh, Guys, I'm going to take you all to lovely uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania into Heinzville where Kenny Pickett is actually going to play this week after not playing last week due to to an injury. And I I think if he would have played last week, they would have had a much better shot in Pitt beating Miami, which uh, you and I both got wrong. But Mm. that's okay. Here's the thing. Notre Dame has shown that they have zero capable wide receivers. They have to get things done on the ground. Pittsburgh has a front seven that can stop the run. They can also attack attack the passing game. Uh, I think they can force some third and longs, force Ian book into some bad throws. Pittsburgh's only given up 61 yards on the ground. Uh, they could be had in the air, but I'm not sure Notre Dame can take advantage of that. Let's be honest. Notre Dame has been begging somebody to beat them after just playing awful against Florida State after really should have lost the game to Louisville last week. Uh, So I'm looking at you, Notre Dame. Matt Presto is going to have a great weekend because at least one of his Pittsburgh teams is going to win. I like Pitt 27 to 13 over the Irish.
3: We Like them big too. All right. Pit over Notre Dame. Well, as we kind of bring ourselves to closing thoughts here, I, I threw this out there to you all in the text chat this week. And I just want to hear real quick, your, your thoughts for this. Cause this is all Brian's doing right here. He went on a, a good rant and I said, Oh, I've got the question for the week. Your least favorite TV football analyst. And Brian, we'll leave you for last. Cause I think yours is epic. So Lindsay, you, you crank us off on that one. Which, which one do you just can't stand to listen to?
4: Oh, well, this – so mine is Desmond Howard uh, on college game day for a few different reasons. Um, One, he doesn't really bring a ton of substance to his analysis on college game day. Two, it's apropos for this week because both Nebraska and Ohio State fans really hate Desmond Howard. Nebraska fans because he hates Nebraska. And Ohio State fans because – he's an Ohio state um, resident and went to Michigan and basically ruined the nineties for Ohio state. So it works out for this week for me. Um, But most of all, he refers to himself in the third person (laughs) way too much. And I just, I can't, I can't
3: do it.
2: He's not the rock. (laughs) No, no.
4: And that is okay. The rock is allowed. Yeah. Not Desmond Howard.
3: All right, I'll tell you mine is Max Kellerman on ESPN. And I want to be real clear, I love Max on Boxing. That's his sport. They stuck him talking about football, and he doesn't know what he's talking about. When he does college football takes, it's even worse. But his NFL takes are just terrible. I mean, he he doesn't think any of the good players are any good. He never gets any of his game picks right. He's just way over his skis. So I'm annoyed that he, like, lets them make him look stupid by saying the things that he has to say. I realize he's got a job to do, but he does
1: terrible football takes. So that's my least favorite one. Alan, how about you? You know, first I'm going to say this: the guy that I'm about to say, he actually is really insightful and has good analysis. But the problem is, a, he's everywhere, and b, he's just way too much of a homer. And that—that's Kirk Herbstreit. Uh, old Herbie just gets on my nerves. Like he's always on my TV. It's like, oh, game day. Oh, Thursday night, we're going to break into Sports Center. Let's ask Herbie this. It's like wall-to-wall ESPN coverage of Herbie, and then, oh, the ABC night game. Here's Herbie and Fowler. It's like, it's just too much Herbie. And if I have to hear him <laughs> talk about Ohio State one more time, I'm going to, like, bang my head into the wall or something. So, yeah, Herbie just, he grinds my gears. All right. Brian, <laughs> you, you really
3: set this all off, though. Tell us your least favorite TV analyst.
2: Stephen A drives me absolutely <laughs> Mind-bogglingly insane. Now, basketball is his sport, and he may have some authority or uh, knowledge in that area. But when it comes to football, there's no reason that ESPN should cut him any check to analyze any football game. And it came to a head last year when he talked on air about how Kansas City was going to win a game because of a certain player who, by the way, was – out for the season at the time and my favorite was i think it was was it tony gonzalez was the commentator with him on that and he he, he was on the camera and he went like this huh? <laughs> like he couldn't <laughs> believe that he just said that uh it, it was unbelievable the guy doesn't know anything about football un- except for that he likes to watch it and that's about it. So why they insist on allowing him to give football analysis, I will never understand. And his little shtick of screaming and yelling at the TV may work well for basketball. It does not work well for football. Get him off my football coverage and make me a happy person. Until then, I refuse to watch any ESPN analysis on football.
3: Yeah, the, the, I think he and Max Kellerman got swept up in the same. Well, these guys are smart. Let's talk about football too. It was a mm. bad, bad move. So, oh, that was a lot of fun. Well, gang, it's a it's a bloody week. The Big Ten is back in uh, with the Mountain West is coming back in now too. We'll get into them. Uh, we'll see if Brian's go for some action. There's Maxion coming back, and hey, before you know it, it'll be November, and the Pac-12 will start playing again. So the you, Pac-12. What? Yeah, so we'll have to learn a whole new set of conference. But we'll be right here to talk about all of it on the Gridiron Breakdown. So if you're watching us live on Facebook, thanks so much. Like the page, share it with other people so that they know when we go live on Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern, they can watch us too. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe and that notification button. Let us know that you're following the show. Or if you're just listening to the audio podcast, podcast that's awesome as well leave us a review on apple podcast it helps people find the show so until next week for brian for Lindsay, for alan i'm jay thanks for listening to the gridiron breakdown
0: thank you for listening to the gridiron breakdown playoffs don't talk about playoffs you kidding me i just hope we can win a game follow us on our website thegridironbreakdown.com or on facebook we do things right here my way you understand that You're going to be second string all your life, boy. I don't want your life. Tune in next week for more analysis and opinion from our hosts. Now y'all scared to ask another question?
3: They're not going to keep them off the field tonight.